2: And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here on Matter Day Radio. I am your host, Miriam Marston. And once again, it's a joy to be with you each week as we explore the evangelizing mission of the Church. And I don't often do this on the show apart from seasons like Christmas and Easter, but I am going to connect this episode to a certain time of year, and that is November. So, if you're listening to this episode in the middle of June, that is totally fine. But you'll know that the context and the impetus for discussing this topic came from this particular time in our liturgical calendar. Now, the Catholic Church celebrates All Saints' Day on November 1st and then All Souls' Day on November 2nd. And throughout the month of November, we're encouraged to remember and to pray for all the souls in purgatory. So that means that as we move through this time of year, the theme of death really does come up a fair bit. This is a season when we meditate on that famous expression, memento mori, that's Latin for remember that you die. In scripture, we are told that death will come to each of us and that it will come at an hour that is hidden from us. As we hear in Job, the east wind seizes him and he is gone. It sweeps him from his place. Now, I have to be honest with you all that one of my biggest pet peeves is finding out spoilers to movies or TV shows. For me, finding out what happens at the end just kind of messes up the whole experience of watching a film or show. In fact, when the movie Titanic came out, I was actually upset when I found out how the movie ended. I mean, it's Titanic. We all knew to some extent... What was going to happen at the end so i really mean it when i say i don't like spoilers but here's an interesting thing we go through life knowing a major spoiler the entire time we are going to die our time on earth is going to have an end we might not think about it a lot but that knowledge is there lodged somewhere in our mind And I think that's something that's definitely crept into our literature, for instance. So many stories and fairy tales and novels have drama that is connected to death. Often, it's about trying to avoid or cheat death. I mean, think of the villain from the Harry Potter books. He's called Voldemort. His name literally means to fly away from or steal from death. The point is, we know what's coming, and... Sometimes we just ignore it, Uh, sometimes we resist or fight it, and neither of those are great options, which brings us to the Christian approach, which involves, by the way, an even bigger spoiler. So to be a Christian is to truly know how this story ends. We know that God has already won the victory and that death is not the end. It does not have the final word. The Christian life is, in a sense, defined by this end that is not an Uh, end—death, which is really a beginning. And when it comes to evangelization, this really matters because we can't leave out this key part of the good news—that death isn't the end. We share a powerful testimony when we proclaim with confidence that line from the creed, I believe in the resurrection of the dead— and the life of the world to come. In the Gospel of Luke, we hear that our Lord is not God of the dead, but of the living, for to Him all are alive. And this reality can change an awful lot about how we live, and it's worth taking time in our spiritual life to ponder these things. Hence the unusual beauty of November, which comes with this opportunity to consider what we call the last things. Now, many years ago, I had a very vivid and beautiful dream. I was just in a lovely place. It was like I was flying over it, and I could see water and land, and the colors were so vibrant, and I could almost smell this sweet aroma in the air. And as I was slowly waking up, there was a sentence running through my mind. The words were, One day, you'll see all of this will feel like one of your dreams. You will wake up in my arms. And when I woke up, I scribbled down the words really quickly because you know how fast a dream can fade. And I actually still have the piece of paper where I wrote this down because ultimately that phrase found its way into a song that I composed and which I will be sharing with you shortly. But as I was praying with this experience, it seemed like what I was hearing was that all of this that we call real here in our earthly life, this actually will feel like a dream compared with what awaits us in the reality of heaven. C. S. Lewis touches on this theme in his book, The Great Divorce, and I've mentioned it before, and I really do recommend it. Um, but in this fictional take on heaven and hell, he describes how travelers on a bus visit um, the, the the almost like the entry point to heaven. And this is where Lewis has one of my favorite images of heavenly life, um, in part because it's it's so startling. But he describes how the grass is too sharp for some of the people to walk on. It just hurts their feet. They just can't cope or handle the sheer reality of even one blade of grass in heaven. That's an astonishing way to describe it. And I think it's an invitation for any of us who might have inherited some maybe hazy or unhelpful ideas concerning heaven. After all, who wants to prepare for a journey to a destination that they are ambivalent about? If I think that heaven is a, is a listless, boring place inhabited by timid citizens, then frankly, that's not going to inspire me much to change how I live here. Instead, my life should be shaped by the anticipation and the gratitude I have for the marvelous place that the Lord has prepared for me, awaiting, as we hear in John 14, the day when he comes back again to take me there himself. Now, around the same time I had that dream, I was reading through some of St. Augustine's famous autobiography called The Confessions. And near the end of this work, St. Augustine recounts an extraordinary experience in the city of Ostia. It's a port town not too far from Rome, and he tells how he and his mother Monica were immersed in a discussion about what eternal life for the saints might be like. Now, evidently, Augustine and Monica were not much for small talk. Um, I mean, who wants to talk about earthly weather when you can talk about the climate of heaven? But it seemed that the intensity of the conversation carried them over the threshold of words into a kind of mystical experience. They were given a foretaste of the divine dwelling place by a moment of total concentration of the heart. That's what St. Augustine tells us. So it wasn't clever words or opinions that brought them to this point it was simply prayer prayer that was grounded in in faith hope and love and even more amazingly it was a prayer and a mystical vision shared between mother and son a bond like none other St Augustine writes And we entered into our minds and passed beyond them so as to reach that land of never-failing plenty, where you feed Israel forever with the food of truth, where life is that wisdom through whom all things were made. The language here is one of plenitude and abundance. Can you imagine just how sweet the the food of truth must taste? What a feast, fulfilling each of our senses. Now, of course, most of us will probably not receive such a spectacular vision, but that shouldn't deter us from striving to have that same total concentration of the heart. We can listen with an attentive and loving ear to the Word of God. We can receive Holy Communion with sincere readiness and prayerful intention. You know, my favorite closing prayer during Mass in Advent includes this line For even now, as we walk amid passing things, you teach us by them to love the things of heaven and hold fast to what endures. Again, perhaps all that we call good here will look a bit shallow or blurry when examined through the eyes of heaven. Our favorite colors will be richer and brighter, and even the smallest sound, like water dripping onto the ground, will be more melodious than the greatest symphony ever composed. We are told in Revelation that night will be no more, nor will they need light from the lamp or sun, for the Lord God shall give them light." and they shall reign forever and ever. St. Augustine and St. Monica received a glimpse of this wedding feast of the Lamb. And in a similar way, when we look upon the Eucharistic altar where heaven and earth meet, we too can catch sight of that place where morning never ends and the day is never done. So again, if we aren't taking time to to talk about these last things, then we're leaving out a chapter of the gospel and kind of short-circuiting the whole Christian mission. Remember this passage from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in an instant, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For that which is corruptible must clothe itself with incorruptibility, and that which is mortal must clothe itself with immortality. And when this which is corruptible clothes itself with incorruptibility, and this which is mortal clothes itself with immortality, then the word that is written shall come about, Death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be firm, steadfast, always fully devoted to the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So with all that, here is that song inspired by the consolation I received many years ago in a dream. Combined with some insights from St. Augustine's Confessions and Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, I try to bring it all together in this simple song called Morning at Ostia.
0: Satisfied
2: So we've talked a little bit about eternal life and the importance of contemplating these things, especially during this season in our church. And we should be grateful that there have been so many who have blazed this trail of holiness before us. These are the saints, those individuals who died in friendship with God. And in the same way that we ask our friends to pray for us, we should ask our saintly friends to pray for us and to help us out on our own journeys. In the letter to the Hebrews, we hear, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us, and persevere in running the race that lies before us, while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of faith. There's a lot to reflect on in that passage, but I want to just start with perseverance in running the race and how sometimes running an actual race can help introduce us to that cloud of witnesses in a new way. In the summer of 2009, I signed up for the Boston Half Marathon and I started training with a few friends. Now, to some of you, 13.1 miles might not seem like a big deal, but to me, it was like signing up for the full marathon of 26.2 miles. Now, fortunately, my friends knew how to properly train, so I just followed their lead, and the weeks went by and we inched closer to the big day. And there were even a few times when I actually managed to enjoy myself running along the Charles River, but Honestly, I wasn't a natural runner, so it was also a source of discomfort and exhaustion. My friends would be really nice and attempt to make conversation while we trained, but I basically let them do the chatting while every particle of my mind and my body was focused just on putting one foot in front of the other and remembering to breathe. Now, the training was going okay until we hit our longest practice run, 12 miles, it was two weeks before the big day, and it was just a miserable run. For the first time, I really wanted to give up. I thought there was no way I could pull this off, and who was I kidding? This wasn't me, and I should just quit. And I remember walking into my apartment after that run, and I I flung my keys on the table and stood in the middle of the living room wondering what to do. And while I was still wearing my running gear, I sat down at the piano and I poured my frustrations into composing a song. And about a half hour later, the tune Prayer to Saint Sebastian was written. And why Saint Sebastian? Well, he's the patron saint of athletes, so he seemed like the right person to turn to. Now granted, his was an especially violent martyrdom and In fairness, I was just preparing for a recreational run, (laughs) but his perseverance and faithful courage has been such a source of inspiration to all of those struggling to persevere in any area of life. And I really do mean any area of life. You know, when a temptation tugs at your soul, doesn't it feel as though a tremendous physical effort is required to stay the course and commit to the good? St. Paul was well acquainted with the rigors of discipleship. He wrote, Every athlete exercises discipline in every way. They do it to win a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. Thus, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight as if I were shadowboxing. No, I drive my body and train it, for fear that, after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified." So, as St. Paul tells us, we are not running aimlessly. We talked about that in the first part of this episode, that we run towards a life that will make the sufferings of this present time as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed to us as we hear in the letter to the Romans. And along the way, we can learn about saints whose stories demonstrate how God has worked in specific lives, at precise moments in history, and in actual places. And as C.S. Lewis reminds us, how monotonously alike all the great tyrants and conquerors have been, how gloriously different are the saints. This dazzling variety among our holy brothers and sisters means that there is a saint for pretty much every low and high point in your life. There is someone standing prepared and listening for our plea, ready to walk this or that stretch of the road with us. Now, Even when I tore a muscle halfway through the Boston Half Marathon and I limped my way to the end, my friends did not hesitate to stay by my side. They could have easily run ahead, but we crossed the finish line, the three of us together. Well, the four of us, since I'm going to include St. Sebastian in our little group. And if we can have the saints on our side during a run, imagine how much more they are at our side as we race through our earthly lives, sprinting towards the promise of eternal life and splendor. So here is that song I wrote, first out of a fit of frustration for how badly my training was going, but as usual, the Holy Spirit did something with that frustration and turned it into hope.
0: a prayer to saint sebastian is what my heart is singing in the moment when my knees are in danger of giving up when it feels like i am breathing on just one love i believe that saint sebastian's there to help me carry on to see it can be one and I believe he's quite familiar with matters of determination Cause he handled all these awful things and kept his faith and patience He kept them in the face of certain Unfortunately. Still I'll call on him, 11 miles in, 11 miles in, a prayer to saints.
2: we're on the subject, I do want to mention how we should stay open to the wonderful possibility that the saints will introduce themselves to us. As I was preparing for my confirmation in 8th grade, I was pretty indifferent to the whole process. I was just annoyed that the boy I liked at the time wasn't Catholic, and he wasn't getting confirmed with us, which meant we saw each other less, and that made me kind of sad. So when the time came to pick a confirmation saint, I just wasn't very invested. So the teachers gave us an A to Z book of saints, and I got as far as the A section and picked St. Agnes. Now, years later, I would learn that she was a consecrated virgin, and it was actually her words that I spoke at my own consecration in 2020. I am espoused to him whom the angels serve. Sun and moon stand in wonder at his beauty. It only took me about 25 years, but I came to realize that St. Agnes had really chosen me and not the other way around. And I've heard of many other stories of saints who seek us out and who draw us into friendship because ultimately they want to show us the way home. So is there a saint who might be showing up in your life right now? And will you listen to what they have to share? Well, my friends, that brings us to the end of our time together. Again, my name is Miriam Marston. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you'll join me next week as we continue to blaze a trail of faith, hope, and love here in the Pacific Northwest. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all.
1: You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend.